Support for today's Medicine Remix show is brought to you by Instant Success. Just add blood, sweat, and tears. Instant Success. Your better tomorrow starts today. Side effects may include not feeling sorry for yourself, putting in work, and severe gratitude. Ask your doctor if Instant Success is right for you. Excuses sold separately. Blood, sweat, and tears not included. Speaking of blood, sweat, and tears, back to the realness of remixing medicine only on Medicine Remixed. Here's the thing that bugs me is that psychology and, and psychiatry as the, the, you know, the field of medicine, I feel are the two things that when everything's going really well, everybody is all for. Yes, we should worry about people's psychiatric health. Yes, we should worry about your own psychological health. Everybody says they're also important, linked to stress, heart disease, uh, high blood pressure. We know the, these are things that we medically know. Stress, shit that happens in your day can give, can lead to heart disease. We know this, right? But the second, you know, uh, funding gets cut, the first thing to go are all the psychological stuff, all the psychiatry stuff. Yeah, fuck that. We don't need all that shit right now. We got we got real shit to worry about. It's like it's like psychiatry is like the music and arts programs of schools. Oh, totally, man. You know that's such a good uh, analogy. Though. You know, it's like yeah, when, when yeah. shit's going great. Oh, fucking music is so important. The arts. So important. We need more uh, music oh, in yeah. our schools. We need good art teachers. <laughs> and the second the fucking budget, get rid of those fucking uh, yeah, hippies. Get rid of those. Yeah. yeah we, we, they, they kid with a tuba. Yeah, yeah, get that fucking yeah, kid out of here. Yeah, they didn't need to. <laughs> How does science help us deal with the angst of being temporary beings who nonetheless can write poetry and love? The poetry yeah. and the love and the art and the creativity are what give meaning to the life that we will know only once. And were we to live forever, what motivation would there ever be to write a poem? I can tell you my knowledge that I will die yeah. gives focus and meaning to every day that I am alive. When you give flowers to someone, yeah. Yeah. I assume you've done this before, why not give them plastic flowers? They'll last longer, but you don't. You give them real flowers because you know the real flower will die. So that the, the measure of the value of that gift is manifest in its temporality. And if you knew you were never going to die, then what's your hurry? It comes down to a simple choice, Billy. Get busy living, get busy dying. Get busy living, or get busy dying. That's goddamn right. Most people are misunderstood. We all feel that way, yeah. though, right, man? Like, we were talking, I, I think uh, your dad and I actually were talking, we were talking about politicians and, you know, kind of the idea of how people take these stances in life. They have opinions about things, right? And the second somebody switches their opinion, oh, he's a flip-flopper, you know, and they pull up this old clip from, like, 1987 yeah. when he's in his backyard yeah. playing, you know. It's a scary time to be a politician. Yeah, yeah, no, there's all this stuff's coming yeah. up, and they'll be like, oh, here's a note that he passed in the sixth grade to some girl she kept, and it says yeah. here that he hates gays, you know. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you know what, man, first off, you're young. But the other thing is, how about I was misinformed back then, and I fucking grew? Yeah, is there, is there nothing to be said about yeah. personal growth? Yeah. It's like, if I did something back in the day, or and thought I'm, something, yeah, had or an thought opinion. something, yeah. yeah. It's, a part of, it's a part of growing part up. Part of growing up, but I think we, we, we all in our heads have this myth about the other person. One of my boys, Leonard, said to me one day, and this was years ago, and he looked at me and he was very, Leonard is very, Leonard, I love you to death. Leonard is one of the most judgmental people I've ever met. <laughs> and, uh, and I love him for it because 
when he's right, man, he's right. When he's off, Jesus Christ, he's off. But when he's on, man, sounds like my dad. Yeah, you know, like he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's so on that it gives credibility to his shitty yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, uh, 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 judgmental personality. But again, uh, he turned to me one day and he said, "You know what, man? I could never live under the microscope I put other people under." And I thought, "Yo, that's that's pretty intense." I mean, I don't know how Leonard is as far as being hard on himself, yeah. but like, I kind of feel like that too. Sure. But except, like, I am under that microscope too, and uh, like, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's like, fun. We, but we, it's your own microscope; it doesn't count. I think right? it was like a mortal technique or someone that uh. says we always look at ourselves in the eyes of people that hate us. I thought that was uh, an interesting line because I, I think that's kind of true. Even though we survived through the struggle that made us, we still look at ourselves through the eyes of people that hate us. But I'ma make it regardless. So if I should ever fall and get caught in a hustle, let them know that. I died while I fought in the struggle From the hood rats to rich kids lost in the bubble Spray painted on the streets and in the subway tunnels Write it down and remember that we never gave in The mind of a child is where the revolution begins So if the solution has never been to look at yourself How is it that you expect to find it anywhere else? I used to wonder, I used to wonder people don't believe in themselves And then I saw the way they portrayed us to everyone else They cursed us to only see the worst in ourselves Blind to the fact the whole time we were hurting ourselves I used to wonder, I used to wonder believe in self and then I saw the way they portrayed us to everyone else they cursed us to only see the worst in ourselves blind to the fact the whole time we were hurting ourselves I used to wonder I don't want to say his name um, but uh, a psychiatrist uh, that we know uh, graduated went to the same med school um, he was year way way before us but um, has a pretty big gig with a, a professional sports organization. And uh, I was talking to him, you know, because he's a working psychiatrist. <clears throat> right. And he said as part of his uh, residency experience, they had to go see a therapist. Everybody, all, all the psych residents. So, um, and he said, he was telling me, when they told me that, I said, bullshit. Like, I gotta go see a goddamn psychiatrist. I am a psychiatrist. Uh, so he said he goes to see the psychiatrist, and it was a lady, and uh, he said the whole time I'm going, I'm, I'm waiting there, and I'm thinking, this is the stupidest fucking thing, like they're making us do this, I can't believe this. And uh, he says he sits down, he starts talking, and before you know it, he says the psychiatrist says to him, oh yeah, it's been an hour, uh, yeah, we, we have to wrap this up. And he goes, it, it was the first time it hit him. Like, God damn, therapy some good stuff. Yeah. And he said, I'm sitting there talking about my mom. You know, and yeah. he, he said, sitting down. Breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. And he said, sitting down, I thought this was ridiculous. So I, I, I always found that story really interesting because the guy's a psychiatrist. This is what he wanted. Listen, I think you know the value of therapy. I think I know the value of therapy. A good friend of mine recently, uh, she got out of a relationship and um, was having a lot of trouble starting a new relationship. And finally uh, said she's going to see a therapist. And I don't know when she told me. I don't know if she was thinking like, oh, he's going to think. Like, you know. And I was very proud of her, you know. Um, and she realized, you know, that uh, as much as she wanted to move on and be in a relationship with this other person, that she had unfinished business in her head that she was carrying from this past relationship. And the only way for her to move past that was to involve a third party of somebody, a neutral party, who can sit back and look, you know, at the situation yeah. and say, dude, because how many times have you been in either like a shitty situation or a shitty relationship? You can convince yourself of anything at that moment. 
Yeah. Right? And even like when you usually when you go to your yeah. your boys or your friends or yeah. whatever and you, you know you're trying to you know tell your piece and right. you expect them to agree yeah, with yeah, you yeah, for yeah, the to most some part. Degree, right? You know? Right, I mean yeah. you know, every now and then you know they yeah. can make it uh, see that you know maybe yeah. you were you were the one at fault but yeah. in general you really need like an impartial sure. arbiter in that situation yeah. you know like yeah. especially when you're talking about your own stuff like right. you just need someone on the outside yeah. and how many times have you been down man and it isn't even that you you know the, the saying goes that misery loves company but I think sometimes it's deeper than that when you're just in a shitty situation and you don't even want help you just want somebody to can listen to you just vent you just want them around when you're feeling shitty yeah just to talk to them yeah you know and sometimes that's all therapy is for some people yeah other times you know it's 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 a lot more than that but i agree with you man i think everybody should see a therapist i think therapists should see therapists yeah. that's how much yeah. i think everybody should see therapists What up, people? It's D. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. I don't need to tell you that because uh, you're listening to Medicine Remixed. <laughs> Man, what a day. I feel like I say that every day. For those of you who have been tuning into the station over the past day or two, we sort of had this, I guess, impromptu theme. I don't know. Actually, Rish, I don't know if we talked about it, how uh, the theme kind of emerged. But like most things do with anything medicine remix related, they kind of really do happen organically. It's kind of what we love or what we're interested in or what's kind of caught our ear or... Anyway, I, I think you get the point. But what I wanted to say was that over the past day, actually been an emotional day for me since yesterday and, and again today. And a lot of it, I think, because of the sort of charged nature of what we were talking about and focused on this idea of suicide and suicide prevention and, and just talking about it and how weird it is for some people to even talk about and how hard it is for other people to talk about and how it's even hard to acknowledge that it's hard to talk about because you don't want to talk about it. Part of that is understanding that if it's hard for us to talk about it and if it's hard for us to even listen to it, how hard might we imagine that it is for somebody who is going through it? And that's a hard thing to sort of tangibly get across through any medium. But one particular phone call from our boy Josh over at Intelligame Radio, you said something that kind of struck me. First, you highlighted our efforts and, and thanked us for using our influence. And I, I think that's a powerful sort of statement because, you know, it, it made me think about influence in general and how, you know, I think it's hard for us to see things from all perspectives. And I think if you really boil it down in terms of perspectives, there's generally three perspectives, right? It's it's my perspective, it's someone else's perspective, and then it's what it looks like from the outside. And from the outside, that is the easiest place to be positioned to come up with a solution or a resolution to most problems because it's the one that involves the least amount of emotion or the, the least amount of stake in the game. So from the outside, all I try to do, and I, I know all Reese tries to do, is to speak from the heart, as corny as that sounds, and let the listener interpret. Because once the words leave my lips, they're free for the world to do whatever they want. They can mock me, they can get behind me, they can run from me. These are all options. So it's our pleasure, honestly, and it's therapeutic for us to be able to talk about these things. So thank you, really. The other thing is, you mentioned about how we were willing to highlight something that was real. And you went on to say that you wish you had something more elegant to say. But man, you said it the most elegant way I could think of. 
by just saying thank you. And I just want you to know that in that same theme of influence, it's important that you know that you, Josh, from Intelligame Radio, have a folder on my desktop now. Me recording this response and to, to give our sort of gratitude and reach out to you. You've influenced my life so much so that you now occupy uh, a space in my digital world. And we've never met. And I think that sort of influence goes both ways. And it's important that you know that. And it's important that you feel that. And, you know, saying that I loved you was something that I struggled with my whole life. It wasn't that I grew up in some terrible home. It's just something I struggled with. I got my own shit to deal with. I didn't tell my brother I loved him until I was like 22 years old. So, you know, I know life is tragic. And at every turn, you can stop anybody on the street. And they have some fucking horrible, tragic story in their life to share with you that they persevered through. That's everybody. But I think a lot of this tragedy is sort of like a a rushing stream. And I stick my hand out into that stream and know that it's going to sting me and it's going to burn me. But I'm going to influence some water particles. And as long as I can influence those particles and accept that they're not going to cling to me, they're going to move on and they're going to continue down that rushing stream. But I'm willing to stick my hand out there and hope that I can bump just one of those particles and influence it in a positive way and not wait around for a thank you and not cry that, you know, it stung me or worry that it's cold or worry that I'm going to look stupid or that I might fall in or that nobody may even notice. I may influence that water particle, but it may never know it was me. But that's something that I think I want to do, I need to do, and it's been done for me throughout my life. So I don't know, man. Sorry to ramble, but I love you, man. I do. And I hope that in some weird, small, digital anchor way uh, that you feel that, brother. And who knows? Maybe next time you see somebody that looks like they're having a rough day, you can just ask them, hey, how you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Because you remember how much it meant to you one time when somebody asked you that when you were going through some shit. All right, man. Keep your head up. Get at us. And thanks for listening. Medicine Remixed. Only on Anchor. I stole that from you, Reach. Peace. If I'm living right, just a champagne. Them dime tights, I be smashing now. My night's out or a wife with my last name. And I'm stuck in the middle of. Should I have substance or get a buzz? Should I keep hustling or give it up? Get a job or wait for Russell to get in touch? And I've never been the type to choose between life or the right to choose The civil rights of them white and blues Or the fight abuse or the sweatshop kids And my Nike shoes, my Nike shoes I said my Nike shoes Doing what I gotta do or what I like to do Treat it like a prostitute or my wifey boo If it's a long-term thing or just a night with you uh. 
ain't you on nothing yeah. Grind, grind, baby, money on up yeah. My, 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 baby, we don't fall in yeah. Love me yeah. yeah. just one night, one night. Uh. Yeah. And you won't blow my high for that uh. If you can't yeah. be this uh. fly for that Nah, if we don't uh. fall in yeah. Love just, me just, just, just one night All I need is just one night yeah. All I got is just one night And I'm never going If we don't fall Yeah, yeah. Just I can't night. decide Between a bland and a brand name Should I stand still or I campaign uh, And you probably won't be feeling me Obama and Miss Hillary They both for the damn same And I'm stuck in the middle of uh, is it lustin' or is it love? Is it love? Yeah. And should I trust in prescription drugs or wait for nature to run and my system flushed? And I never really quite decided with my white or my Latin side or in a bank of my mattress lining at a stand defogging for them African minds or them flashy diamonds, them flashy diamonds, yeah, them flashy diamonds. God of the path of sagging, should I laugh or cry? Take her back to her pad of mine, quit grinding and let my life pass me by. Let's open our dictionary of medical terms this week to learn about neuroplasticity. The word neuroplastic has two parts. The first is neuro, meaning related to the brain and nervous system, and the second is plastic. Ben, I just want to say one word to you. Are you listening? Plastics. There's a great future in plastics. Plastic means capable of being molded and shaped. So to be neuroplastic means brains can be changed, molded, and adapted for new demands. There's a great book you might want to check out by psychiatrist and writer Dr. Norman Deutsch. The book is titled The Brain That Changes Itself. In the book, patients who were profiled included a woman born with half a brain who went on to become a teacher, stroke victims who learned how to move and speak again, and an amputee who relieved his phantom limb sensations. These patients were treated under care of doctors trained in neuroplastic rehabilitation. This rehabilitation comprised exercises involving both physical and mental therapies. After their rehabilitation, these patients had their brains mapped using 3D immunofluorescent imaging. The findings showed that surviving regions of the brain took over for functions once handled by damaged regions. In other words, new brain areas assumed functions of old brain areas. This demonstrated neuroplasticity. The brain, in response to stimulation and new demands, was molded and changed to accommodate those new demands. Thanks for listening to this week's Doctionary. I'm Big H. This is Medicine Remixed, only on Anchor. I check next to the definition. They were. What's really good, Anchor Hood? It's Reesh, it's Medicine Remixed, and it's Tuesday, July 25th, 2017. I hope everyone is living their truth today and every day for that matter. And if you're not, just know that every day is a chance to remix that life of yours. 
I know it's been a heavy few days on the station for those of you who have been uh, listening, but sometimes uh, you need the heavy to strengthen your damn self. But big ups to everyone who called in and engaged with our conversation and shared their thoughts with us on the suicide of Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington. Um, big ups to Tesse from Art Speaks Radio, Dr. O from The Corner, and the homie Josh from Intelligame Radio. Definitely peep those stations if you need some more realness in your life, and don't we all? But uh, to riff off of Intelligame for a minute, because the concept of Josh's station, which not only talks about video games, also talks about the ultimate video game, the video game of life. And I'm just reminded of this quote that I meditate on every now and then. And I don't know if anyone actually knows exactly who uttered these words or this concept, but it goes something like this. If video games have taught me anything, it's that if you encounter enemies, then you're going the right way. And I just love that because it's just so nostalgic and true about both video games and life. You know, if we don't encounter enemies, which include our haters and critics, etc., that just means we aren't playing the game called life correctly. You know, we all have to stand up for something and encountering resistance from others means we're challenging the status quo and creating something different. Every quote-unquote successful person that you've ever learned about fits that description. And as soon as people stop challenging us, either the game is over or we need to switch things up again, you know? So whoever said video games can't teach us anything. So uh, yeah, thanks for sparking that reminder, Intelligame Radio. Um, And if you miss any part of that Chester Bennington episode, you can check it out in the Episodes tab or on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast these days. And uh, I really consider it one of the most important episodes we've done so far, and I think Dee would agree, so definitely check that out. Uh, if you're interested and if you missed it. So moving on to today's show, um, first of all, big ups to Big H for making his Doctionary and Anchor debut. And for those of you who don't know, Doctionary is our WebMD meets Urban Dictionary segment. And Big H is the new addition to the Medicine Remix crew. Um, and he'll be joining D, Dr. Rama, and myself on the station. Big H formerly studied medicine and computer science in the past and also happens to be a tremendous writer and editor. So we're thrilled that he agreed to help us create some more dope content for you guys and gals. You'll be hearing his big sexy voice more and more. So feel free to call in and show him some love. And uh, speaking of joining the team and showing love, our homegirl Shrub River, um, who I've mentioned a few times on the station before, will be joining the Medicine uh, Medicine Remix crew as well this fall, which uh, crazily enough is not too far away, but we won't talk about that part. But uh, yeah, Shrub is one of my childhood uh, friends. She's cool as fuck and she happens to be a medical doctor. So she'll be helping Dr. Rama with Wonder Woman, our weekly women's health segment, which we have a new one cooking for tomorrow's episode, by the way. And Shrove will also be helping us step up our social media game since she's way better than we are at it. So we're pumped to have uh, her join, actually rejoin the crew. So as some of you know, Dee and I recorded an 11-episode podcast back in 2012-2013, which we play some cuts from every now and then. And Shrove... Uh, made a few guest appearances back then while also writing a ton of 
content for our blog back then called Injury Duty. Uh, and then residencies stole the souls of Dee and myself for a few years. So now the medical mighty ducks, if you will, are finally reassembling as we speak. So actually next up, kind of sticking to our mental health theme and introducing some new regular voices on the station. We're going to play a cut from that throwback podcast where Shrub has a little cameo and Dee tells us about the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, aka the DSM, now in its fifth edition. And that fifth edition was published right around the time we recorded that podcast episode. So what's the DSM for people that don't know what the DSM is? So the DSM is basically, it catalogs, I think it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Manual, yeah. Um, And there's been obviously several versions of it there now and it hasn't gone in a linear fashion where it's gone one two three four five there's been revisions so there's been like you know number four revised and you know so but they're now on number five and i think the the first they come out to to give you an idea of like how often they come out probably as often as dr dre makes an album yeah 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 (laughs) and the speculation just as high too um i think the first one was released in the 50s um and has since been you know revised and if you get a hold of one of the DS, the first dsm it's bizarre to read what they call diseases yeah because up to the 70s yeah, homosexuality yeah, yeah, was, was, on there. was a disease a mental illness that's crazy but interestingly enough uh in this uh edition it's been criticized like crazy first off psychiatry has been criticized like crazy for many years mm-hmm. um, right. the 70s it went through a crisis and People were saying, oh, it's not necessary. They're not doing enough. The, the the manual itself, I think what people fail to understand is the manual doesn't offer any uh, diagnostic, I mean, any uh, treatment regimens. It doesn't no. say, mm-hmm. here's how you should treat things. It says, here's what we call a disease. And the problem is, is that it's not only doctors using it. Researchers use it. Sure. The NIH mm-hmm. uses it. Insurance companies use it. Mm-hmm. It's just so we're all speaking the same language. Right. right. Um, and that's really all it is. But it's then what you start calling a disease right that people are like oh you oh now there's a new disease and yeah i don't think people realize that that's how fucking diseases get their names and syndromes get their names yep, right. it's a guy who just collects a bunch of symptoms and says if you have these you're this this is what we call it yeah and it's only that because there's so many different diseases and, and yeah. constellation of, of symptoms and all that shit like i said in the you know 73 76 something like that uh, homosexuality was taken out as a disease but interestingly enough uh there's been a whole new set, and actually, I, th- this is fascinating to me, right? So, what were considered diseases in the uh, version four revised, uh, and these were considered actual uh, 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 mental disorders, mm-hmm. right? Classified under mental disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, fetishism, uh, transvestitism, mm-hmm. uh, uh, masochism. Wasn't like sexual addiction in there too? Somewhere? Uh, I, I believe I think, so. And yeah. sadism. But anyway, but, yeah. but these were all considered actual mental, mental disorders. Uh-huh. Yep. So they, they got rid of them uh, this time. So if you look under mental uh, uh, disorders, these aren't listed. Mm-hmm. But they're under uh, paraphilic diseases now. Okay. Oh, Lord. And these are, are interesting because it, what it says is, these are intense sexual desires with atypical object situations or places. Okay. So these are no longer considered mental disorders. Right. But the distinction to me that blew my mind when I was reading it was, first off, these are considered non-criminal disorders, right? Right. Which is a weird thing to say. And it really only has to do, because then the question becomes, like, if you ask uh, 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 somebody, like, what is a fetish? 
mm-hmm. what's a fetish? Like, just if it, what, if I ask you what's a fetish, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like, not a specific show, tell me a fetish. Yeah, but, the definition but of it. no, I think it's like maybe like a, a sexual, possibly obsession with you know a particular thing that may not necessarily be like a sexual. Sure. Like yeah. object. There's this guy that we used to call. <laughs> I see. I knew it was gonna happen. I knew. That's why I said, don't give me an example. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's this dude that nice guy, but um, it's a little little off. Yeah. But he, uh, we used to call him Boots uh-huh. because <laughs> because the guy would just like, you know, he's like a relatively quiet guy. But anytime he saw a girl wearing like boots, you know, the boots that you know come up to your knees, basically, sure. he just started like freaking out really? so like he you know yeah like is, freaking out where you like start jerking off like in the parking <laughs> no, lot like you know not or not, just getting all hot and heavy it was it. non-criminal <laughs> okay <laughs> let's got put it. it that way wow yeah but he would he would just like you know he'd that get real thing. worked up that yeah. was his thing yeah he'd call him boots that's funny it's like yo boots and you okay boots <laughs> that's funny yeah. all right well you're right it's it's things that are Again, the, the definition is fascinating because at some point you have to define these things. You have to say this is what we're going to call it. Right. But uh, it's uh, anything that's other than a sexual organ that people that gets people sexually. Right. Around, okay. So which was, is a problem now because kind of on yeah. with that what do you consider part of the sexual experience? Like, right. Is it just genitalia and that's it and anything outside of it? So lips, right. smile, hair, like things that you like. Right. When does it become? Wow, it's kind of blurry. So they when even went it, further, yeah. and oh, they Lord, said yeah. it's not necessarily a problem until you find it to be stressful to your life. Which is really interesting because then that literally says that it only has to do with your perception of. Straight rap. Howdy, Cox. Got those test results for you, man. You're totally right about that old dude in bed four. Syphilis. Used to be a DJ. Syphilis, 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 syphilis. These definitions of these different psychiatric conditions as we categorize and characterize them in this country. So is that basically just exclusive to this country because it's kind of assuming all of those social norms so is there no like international cataloging of these things or is it really just yeah. like country dependent that's that's a good question so th- to, to the best of my knowledge actually we have some friends from um uh from england they're here they work for a uh, airbus they work at there's a airbus plant here where they fucking assemble parts for the planes and shit but uh they have a bunch of people from overseas that work here and one of their friends who came to visit them she's actually uh like colleges in england and she was telling me they use the dsm so that's not just an american thing or it is an american thing so it originated here the dsm originated here and the best i can tell it's been adopted by most developed countries so i think part of the sort of normalizing what it is and how you diagnose it obviously they're trying to make it as universal as possible so they add a lot of shit like that like you know deviating from social norms uh, holds beliefs not congruent to their community you know shit like that to sort of try to normalize it and make it as broad as possible in terms of the scope and where it can work in different places uh-huh. but it's interesting because at some point it has to break down right because if it isn't viewed as in sort of anomaly in somebody's behavior in a certain community and everybody holds that same belief then your diagnostic criteria is 
useless in the sense that that community will never accept it. That community will just never see eye to eye with what you're saying is wrong. Um, is that useful? Is that helpful to them? I don't know. I don't know. But I think for the more abstract stuff, like the psychotic disorders, I think it gets tricky. For the things like depression, I think that's it's probably more applicable. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. You know, somebody who's like, you know, not eating, not sleeping, kind of withdrawn, low mood, low energy. That is almost, that's more universal, I think, anyway. But I think that one's a bit more uh, concrete or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you, you see these things and, and I find it super interesting because more so than geographical location, if you just think about it in terms of time, of human history. Dude, if I didn't live in the South, I would do this. And I think I've talked to you about this. Well, not only if I didn't live in the South, if my family, certain people in my family, I probably have to wait for them to die before I ever did this. But I, I want to go through the Bible and I want to diagnose the major players using the DSM-5. <laughs> oh, that, that shit would be awesome. Yeah. Or maybe like a, a meta thing of, you know, whoever like wrote the Bible, what kind of drug right, was right. he on? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, what kind of no, hallucinogen? Dude, absolutely, because... Uh, I mean, a lot of the books of the Bible are, you know, it's very clearly, or at least according to oral history, who wrote them or who came up with those doctrines. You know, obviously they've been, yeah, or, hey, you know, constantly major had a hand in really, it. Like, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, exactly. Because here, here's the day that it hit me. Um, I was, it was like intern year. Everybody on the fucking unit, for whatever reason that month, was either Jesus, the son of Jesus, or carrying Jesus's baby. Fucking everybody. Right? And I was like, oh, God, what, like, what's happening? Like, what is happening? And for some reason, I was sitting writing my note, and, and I thought to myself, you know what? These people were symptomatic in this exact way 2,000 years ago in the hills somewhere in Israel. They would be prophets. Right. They'd be prophets. Like, there'd be a good chance that somebody would view them as, if not prophets, some sort of spiritual leader, some uh, anointed yeah. one. This they, dude they is spitting some crazy yeah. shit, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> I never Yo, heard anything like this. Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, and they're getting messages from God, and it really got me to think, like, huh, I wonder, like, how soon I would be assassinated after uh, I started diagnosing people with the DSM here in the, in the Bible Belt. Like, I'd be probably off Dad. right away. As I like to say, Medicine Remix is like Vice meets WebMD wrapped into that <laughs> hip-hop mixtape. So it, it works. Yeah. It works under the under the context of what we're trying to do here. So I'd say go yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> I've really thought about it, and I've actually dabbled with it. And uh, I'll be honest with you, it's surprisingly easy. Now, whenever I hear something, I'm like, that dude was clearly schizophrenic. And he was getting, huh. you know, auditory command hallucinations to kill people and or people who are obviously manic very grandiose and then a shit ton of personality disorders it's interesting it's interesting so at some point i'll i'll, I'll probably commit more resources to it ideally yeah. what would happen you know i'd meet somebody who was like a biblical scholar but not tied to religion who would be willing mm -hmm. to sit down and you know really chop it up and who knows maybe somebody on anchor will, will step up and want to take on the, the project Fuck wrong with everybody is what you're saying But if everybody's crazy, you're the one that's insane Crazy how life works <laughs> Today's Medicine Remix show is brought to you by Notrin No, no, not Motrin No, no, I'm talking about Notrin N-O-Trin What the fuck is that, you ask? Well, I'm glad you fucking asked Notrin is the first ever anti-yes tablet. 
an over-the-counter strategy for the people saying yes to the things they don't really want to fucking do. Ask your doctor or your damn self if Notrin is right for you. Notrin anti-yes tablets. Time back guaranteed if you just say no. Now, back to enjoying medicine remixed on Anchor. If you want to. Come on. You know you want to. What it do, Anchor Crew? It's Reesh. It's Medicine Remixed. And I hope y'all are enjoying the show so far. That last segment that you might have heard was a conversation D and I had recently over the interviews feature on Anchor about the DSM and using it to diagnose various religious figures throughout history with mental disorders, which is definitely a controversial proposal, to say the least, we're sure of that, because let alone religious figures, there's actually been a long-standing rule by the American Psychiatric Association called the Goldwater Rule that basically prohibits members from commenting publicly on the mental state of public figures like politicians, which was adopted after some psychiatrists answered a 1964 survey on whether Senator Barry Goldwater, the Republican presidential candidate that year, was mentally fit for the Oval Office. The Goldwater Rule basically states that it's unethical to offer a professional opinion about a public figure's mental health, including the presence or absence of a disorder, without that person's consent and without doing a standard examination. And just this past March, the American Psychiatric Association actually reaffirmed the rule. However, another major psychiatry organization, the American Psychoanalytic Association, sent an email just this past month to its 3,500 members, basically stating that its members should not feel bound by the Goldwater Rule any longer and actually encourage them to use their knowledge responsibly, which will probably make many mental health professionals feel more comfortable speaking openly about, as you may have guessed, President Donald Trump and his many mental health issues, allegedly, from his narcissism, impulsive tweeting, grandiose claims, poor attention span, paranoia. I mean, I only have five minutes on this segment, so we could go on and on. But uh, there's been opposition to the Goldwater Rule um, you know, for quite some time now. It's existed for years, but it obviously got a lot more intense with Trump's candidacy and subsequent election. And come to think of it, no other medical specialty has a rule like the Goldwater Rule. For example, a neurologist or a neurosurgeon wouldn't be prohibited from offering their views on, say, John McCain's recent diagnosis of glioblastoma, which is an aggressive form of brain cancer, it would totally be acceptable for one of those um, physicians to comment as long as they made it very clear that they didn't personally examine John McCain and were only offering commentary based on the information available to them. You're listening to Medicine Remix only on Anchor. Medicine's an art form. Make medicine. Motherfucking remix! Medicine remix! I'm a huge fan of medicine remix. I think what you're doing over there is fantastic. I just love the whole thing. Between the hip-hop, which you know I'm a fan of, but the fact that it's mixed with motivation, with comedy, with medicine, and the whole thing just feels like art, and there's nothing else quite like it anywhere on the internet. So uh, it's good to hear from you.
Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed on no other place but here on Anchor. A lot of people say, oh, I just want to sort of, they kind of, they're kind of dabbling in the idea of improving themselves. And the real way to do it is you got to write down what the fuck you want and then go after it. Because otherwise you live in sort of a wishy-washy world. You know, if you decide, I'm going to get down to, bang, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run a marathon in less than five hours. I'm going to, you know, whatever the fuck it is, you got to write that shit down and go for it. What I tell people is the best advice that I, I've ever heard the best advice I ever came up with is that live your life like you're the hero in your movie. And right now is when the fucking movie starts and your life is a shitbag disaster like every fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he wakes up and makes a blender full of pizza and ice cream and that's what he, you know what I mean? Those guys were like on the brink, they put the gun in their mouth and they put it down because they see a photo of their daughter. Pretend that's you. <laughs> Pretend you are, uh, right now, you're in the part of the movie that starts and it shows you as a fucking loser. And just decide not to be a loser anymore. Live your life like there's a documentary crew following you around and you are analyzing your own behavior. Do what you would want to do so that your kids one day would look back at it and, and, and see that documentary and look on it with pride. Like, wow, my dad was a bad motherfucker. He really did what he had to do. Wow, my mom really got her shit together. I'd love a success story, but even more than a success story, I like a dude who fucks his life up and then gets it back together again story. Those are my favorite stories. And the way to do that, you gotta write shit down. You gotta think that you are the hero in your own fucking movie, and then you gotta sit down and you gotta write shit down. Write down what you need to do. Most people play the role of the victim in the movie, right? Sure. Yeah, this life is fucking me over, man. I could have had this, and I should have had that. And why does this guy get that? And why does that guy get this? And all things that are completely unrelated to you. Yeah. All things that you you find other people's success is a, a, a downfall in your own existence. Instead of being inspired, instead of choosing to be positive, instead of like improving constantly on, on the direction of trying to achieve whatever the fuck you have written down, you just sit around and spiral, you know? There's nothing more miserable than sitting around someone who's fucking complaining all the time. It is one of the most annoying things ever. Everybody hates it. When someone just sits around and they complain about their life and they don't do jack shit about it. And you tiptoe around it, you don't know what to say. Well, she gets upset when you bring that up. I don't want to bring that up. And you want to go, you fucking crazy bitch, you know what's wrong with your life. Stop, stop announcing it to everybody else and go out and fix that shit. And it's tough love. You Tough know, love I, is what everybody needs, absolutely. me included. I will not lose. Medicine remix. <laughs> no trend. <laughs> Oh, please pass it out, brother. Please pass it out. <laughs> I was just talking about this. I think it was on Periscope. <laughs> no, Trin. I got to echo this. <laughs> That's the best. What's going on, Dean Reich? This is Josh over at Intelligame Radio. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks for... All the work you've been doing the past few days, taking this time to talk about suicide and awareness and prevention and just being willing to be really real and honest. I'm 
I grapple with the idea of what influence means, but I have so much appreciation for the idea that you are willing to use your influence to not only highlight other artists who have tried to do something good, but are, are using your space to, to talk about something real. Um, I don't know. I wish I had something more elegant to say, but thanks. It's uh, helping me a lot too.